Andre Segovia Show. The problem in California is not that people don't want to own California real estate. The problem in Orange County is not that people don't want to own Orange County property or don't want to live in California. The problem is that they can't because of affordability. This is the Andres Segovia Show, and I am your host, Andres Segovia. The voice you just finished hearing is Joel Singer. He is the CEO of the California Association of Realtors. He was giving a speech at an economic forecast event that I attended earlier this year, and I was looking forward to the time where I was going to share snippets of his speech because it was it was so good. It's so informative, um, and I needed to uh, impart that information to you all as well, especially with this topic of uh, the housing affordability issue being at the forefront and I covering it through various different episodes in previous installments. So this is, well, this episode is the, newest installment of debunking real estate myths because uh, there's a the myth out there that the housing affordability issue or rents are too high because of greedy landlords which is not the case but of course people can make the case for that argument and here in this episode i'll be sharing and imparting to you the information and the data to show you why not and this is how we can better come to an understanding about the housing affordability crisis now, before I continue, I do want to finish sharing some of the highlight reel of uh, uh, Joel Singer's uh, economic forecast event um, speech. And I'll be leaving a link to the entirety of the speech. Uh, his speech is about an hour long, and the event itself was about an hour and a half. A lot of information there. It's, a, it's on YouTube. You can check it out there. So I'll leave, I'll leave a link to that for the, you know, the episode show notes at www.theandresegovia.com. You can check it out there. And I, I definitely recommend you check it out. And, but I apologize in advance for the audio quality. There was some interference at the Great Wolf Lodge in Garden Grove that hosted the event. And there was a, a lot of interference. And even my microphones, uh, I use different microphones to pick this up. It's, there was no way around it. And it's just really hard to clean up. So the snippets you're hearing are the actual official audio from the event itself. So even they couldn't clean it up. So that comes to tell you how much interference there was. But that's neither here nor there. The quality of the speech is still there. So if you're able to put up with some of the interference, then by all means, please uh, check out his presentation because it's very timely and important, whether you're in real estate or outside real estate, looking in is something for, uh, for all of you to be able to understand. So without further ado, here's the rest of the highlight reel I wanted to share with you. So let's, how did we get here? Let's go back a little bit um, and just deal with the facts here. California is simply not building enough housing. Um, our needs for housing are estimated at 180,000 units a year. If you look at our history, we haven't met that number since, 2000, since 2005. If you look at where we've been just over the last 10 or 12 years, we've added a million unit shortfall. And that's why prices and affordability are so constrained. Now, this tight supply not only pushed up home prices, um, but it also created a market that was really unusual. We had a market where there was almost unlimited demand and very little inventory. And as a result, Homes were sold, as many as one-third of them in Orange County were sold above the asking price. This is a long run since the Great Recession. California sales have been remarkably flat. Um, we've been selling between 
400 and 450,000 units for most of that 10-year period since 2008, 11-year period since 2008. But the fact of the matter is we're selling the same number of homes today in California with a population now approaching 40 million as we sold when the population was 20 to 25 million. And there it is. What we talk about when it comes to building housing, we're talking about property you can buy. Because I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, it's like, well, Andres, there's all these buildings that are going up, all these rentals that are available now. What do you mean there isn't enough housing? How could the rent be going up because of the, of the housing um, uh, limitations? Well, the problem is that these are all rentals. And in some cases, they're they're labeling luxury rentals when they really aren't. It's just trying to tell you that they have all these anemones in one place so you don't have to travel far, and they're justifying charging you that much rent. So, and people are, are renting them out because they're like, well, everything is here. I don't have to go anywhere else, and therefore, it's luxury living because you have everything in one place. That's technically what it means, and everything you don't need is also there, there as well. But you can't buy it. So you can't buy it. That does not affect the pricing of the commodity, which is the properties. One of the most important uh, things that I took from Joel Singer's presentation is that uh, over 10 years ago, the population of 25 million people here in California, this is considering we have an out-migration issue here in California, more people leaving the state, especially because they can't afford it, and also because they want to escape the tax laws and the unfriendly business practices that the state legislator always tries to hamper on because they're always crushing um, small businesses with their um, regulations and litigations. It's just so much craziness. Now there's 40 million people. And in that time span of over 10 years ago to now, the, the average amount of units being moved in sales are the same that they were back then as they are now. That tells you we don't have enough inventory to move around. It's imagining like, okay, there were 10 things of an item made back then. Those same 10 things are being moved around now at a higher price among different buyers. Nothing new was made. That's basically the, the gist of what Joel Singer was pointing out. And that's the number one thing that should be standing out to everybody because the principles are simple economics. And I know when I say simple economics, a lot of people that don't study economics don't really know um, what this means. So I'll quickly give you the, the, the description of what is simple economics in that when there is a high demand, in other words, a lot of people want something and there's low supply, not enough of that something the price therefore goes up. And then the inverse is also true. When there isn't enough of a demand, when there aren't that many people that want something, and there's a lot of supply, and there's a lot of that something, then the price goes down. Because that something isn't sold out. There's always like leftovers. It's kind of like when you go to a supermarket and there's always like that one shelving area that says clearance because that, those are the items that didn't move. They overstocked and they're like, you know what, this stuff's going bad or they'll slap a manager special on something and discount it. That's because that product has been sitting there for too long. That's the concept of oversupply and little demand. And now they're trying to make it more attractive by bringing the price down. That is something we do not yet see in real estate. For us to have one of the things that is not mentioned here, and this is crazy, I think I mentioned it before in my, my show, leading up to the market meltdown or the Great Recession, as it's called, the 2007-2008, there was a, a growth in property um, uh, prices for about 30 to 40 years. And that's considering there were crashes in the market as well. The saving and loan issues in the 80s, the first wave of REOs in the 90s, and then the early 2000s. Leading up to the big crash of 2007, there was, pr there was price growth all the way through, so to speak, and it peaked out before it crashed. 
in the time since, in, le- in about 10 years, a decade since the, the Great Recession, prices have either met or surpassed the same peak that they were before the crash. It's crazy. And some of you that are thinking about buying is like, well, Andres, does that mean that uh, I'm buying too expensive and I'm about to lose my entirety of my market value? Or for those of you that are that looking to buy are like, well, um, maybe I should wait then because the market's going to implode. No, that, that's not even the same thing either. And I will get into this in some other episode when I get the chance. But it's not the same thing because the, uh, there's things that are installed now in the financial sector to prevent such things like happening. Because before, uh, a lot of people try to point to the greedy banks. Uh, and it wasn't so much that the greedy banks were the ones that were pass- handing out loans to people that couldn't afford them. It was the United States government through the Community Reinvestment Act of 1993 that forced the banks to basically, hey, lend out or you're going to get penalized. And secondly, uh, you can relax the rules of lending. So even though they can't afford it, you can lend. It's like uh, the banks are like, well, how are we supposed to um, get our money back if the people can't pay? And the government said, don't worry, we're insuring them. It's like, okay. So the government is the one that let loose the dock. Look, I could get to the complexities of this thing and the behind the scenes stuff that you'd never ever heard of. That's neither here nor there. I don't want to get into that. The point is that the crash happened and the prices now for homes have either uh, met or surpassed the peak that it was. And we're not expecting that kind of crash again because the people that have been buying this past decade are able to afford it. Are you listening to me? They are able to afford it. And here in California, where it's its own real estate industry, even last year, the statistics were insane. That 45% of the property being sold in California last year were still cash bought. Holy smokes. So when you don't have a loan to a property, how can the how can you not pay it back? Uh, there's nothing to pay back. You already, you already paid for it. See? So this is not, we're not going to see that crash again to that magnitude, okay? So I, I wanted to address those fears because I brought it up already. But in going back to the housing affordability crisis, the California Association of Realtors, they installed something called the Center for California Real Estate or the CCRE. And what is that? The Center for California Real Estate is an institute of the California Association of Realtors. Oh, here we go. Realtors are the ones funding this. No, no, no. See, that's the misunderstanding that people have about realtors. We're supposed to be servicing our community, not not just through uh, like facilitating the buy or the sell of a property or even a trade, but also to inform them about the, the market. So there's a, a segment of us that actually do the hard work to figure out solutions to a crisis. The CCRE has a mission to advance knowledge via the production of new research in combination with varied partners to spur innovative thinking about key issues facing California and the real estate industry, and to extend CAR's influence uh, via intellectual engagement with different audiences, diverse stakeholders, and new external partners. And just to give an example of the partners of CCRE, uh, one of them is the Turner Center for Housing Innovation at the University of California in Berkeley. It's a collaboration between the College of Environmental Design and the Fisher Center for Real Estate and Urban Economics at the Haas School of Business. Uh, the Turner Center leverages applied research and best practices to inform and advance innovation for the planning, financing, design, and development of the built environment. Also in partnership is the UC Center Sacramento. It's the University of California's teaching, research, and public service site located one block from the state capitol building. With these institutes of research, the first one they produced was housing affordability. And they produced it three years ago. 
And we are reaching the peak now of that problem. This was something that was viewed a long time ago. So housing affordability was being brought up as a problem by our own realtors. Like, hey, look, this is going to be a big issue because we, yeah, we saw the prices going up like crazy. It's like, look, prices are going up and people are, are facing heavy rents as well because when they can't buy a property, they're going to rent. And when there's so many people competing for rentals, the prices go up for rentals. It's not like it's just a fixed thing. The landlords, obviously, whether you're a commercial property manager or an individual, if someone's going to come along and pay more for your rent, they're going to take that lease over the one that's paying less, you know. And the thing is that when people talk about rent control as being a solution, all I will say about that is this. Go check out my other episodes that discuss rent, um, state rent stabilization ordinances and why they fail. Everywhere they've been implemented, they have failed. Uh, and I've had people reach out to me through various different social media um, avenues to tell me about uh, um, about the benefits of rent control, where others are, are looking for more information about their rights, uh, especially here in Anaheim, because they want to explore these things. So uh, I, I, I did engage with um, these individuals uh, through this. And I understand what where they're coming from in terms of why it benefits. The thing is, it benefits so little, 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 little people, and it affects everyone else as a whole. So when rent control has actually exacerbated the problem it was meant to uh, address, rent control was supposed to make housing affordable, keep rents as a, at a reasonable rate, and address homelessness. In the time since, rents have gone up, housing affordability continues to be a problem, and it's reaching its peak. And homelessness is at the worst levels it's ever been. So if the system isn't working, what does that tell you? That rent control is not the solution. And when we're pointing to the problem here about housing affordability being a problem, because people can't afford to pay the rent because it's too damn high, or they can't afford to buy a property because it's too expensive, we point to not enough inventory being available for people to buy. And that is the core issue and joel singer pointed it out and that's the one that i keep pointing to because the data shows it and the value of home ownership is a solution that points to addressing all these things both economically for an individual stability and also addressing a criminality because with homelessness comes criminality as well if you really want to learn more if you truly want to understand or have a better picture of the grander uh, thing at play here the issue i point to these journals for you to explore these things are lengthy lengthy essays and everything points to housing build more housing and as simple as that solution sounds the implement implementation of it is what is super complicated because i'm the one i'll be the first one to tell you that i want the government out of business yes government that should not be involved in our businesses but I'm also the one to tell you when the government needs to get involved because they work for us. Remember that governments work for us. We don't work for the government. So when I say that government needs to get involved in addressing housing, I'm not talking about government coming in and trying to install certain things to get their way and then tax the heck out of it. That's what rent control is. And right now, the, uh, the, uh, the extent that they want to do is an overreach that's basically taking over all of the private property that belongs to people and people's rights are on their property. So the government comes in and seizes them all. Imagine they tell you and dictate to you everything else about your life. You already give them your healthcare. You've already given them your ability to speak if you're familiar with the Vox Apocalypse thing that I've been covering uh, throughout my other channels. So 
imagine your home. This is supposed to be the bastion of your freedom, your king of the castle, your queen of the castle. And if you don't have a stay in your home anymore, the government does, then they truly control you. That's why I'm always against government in this respect. So when I say the government needs to get involved in the housing issue, it's because they're the ones that dictate what can be done with the land through zoning. Zoning is what tells you what you can build. Zoning, like for example, on established areas, you'll see a house but a big lot. Say, hey, you could build another house back there. But if you look at the zoning of where that property was laid down and the city says you are in a zone R1, for example. I'm just giving you an example. What, what does that mean? Residential 1. That means you could only have one house there. Say, yeah, but I have all this space back here. I could build another house or two in the back. Based on the land use regulations, you can only have that one house there. Make the best of that yard. Put a swimming pool or something. No, so you can't do more with your land beyond that. And that's the issue that we do have land to build upon. But when the cities and the counties and the state are preventing buildings from happening for various reasons you cannot address the inventory issue some people point to why don't you just bulldoze the existing houses and build new ones well you got to displace people if you're going to do that no so we have that problem the solution is is the easy answer the implementation of it isn't and we need to be talking more about this instead of looking to the supposed solution that will just make the situation even worse. The next time you see it, like, oh, it's the landlords why we have this rental problem. No, because if people can't buy, they're competing for rentals. And when anybody at, at the state level um, is saying that we need to pass rent caps and rent control, it's waking up all those landlords that have had depressed rentals and realizing, holy smokes, if they're going to cap it. I better bring my rent up to market. And in some cases, that means doubling the rent. That's just people like, I see my greedy landlord. No, the rent control movement is scaring the heck out of the landlords because the state wants to pass it and the landlord wants to get ahead of it before it passes it. The threat of rent control and in places where rent control already is, is what makes the problem worse. Now you see what I'm getting at. It's like, oh, it's a chicken or the egg. And I'm telling you straight up, it's the egg. The egg here is what begins in the state level. We want rent control. Okay, says the landlord, I must raise my rent before you pass that. Because once you pass the caps, they'll be capped at this level. And that's why some of those that are pushing for it are pissed off. That's what they say, well, we better introduce rollback rent as well. It's like, we got to bring those rentals down. So like, that's what I'm talking about, about an ex extensive overreach by the government, the state government, in trying to really clamp down on landlords. Rent control isn't the solution. Landlords are not the villains as everybody tries to make them out to be. I'm not saying that there aren't any greedy landlords. I'm sure there are. Just like there's greedy tenants. So why are we pointing just to one side? There's some tenants that abuse the system. Someone, and I've seen this a lot, in the rent control area, one person living in a three-bedroom place will not move out because he doesn't want to pay more for rent. Meanwhile, a family of five are stuck in a one-bedroom place because they can't afford to get somewhere better. Don't tell me that rent control works. It doesn't. It hasn't. It continues to make the situation worse. I've been dealing with this for 20 years. From construction to property management, tenants activists, tenants attorneys, at the courthouse, outside the courthouse, and now as a broker. I deal with it all the time, especially when most of the property I manage are in rent control areas. Housing affordability, if we're going to address it, it has to be 
at the very least, starting with the available inventory for purchase. Because all these new buildings being brought up, and I could get into the real details about why this is happening. I'll just drop the bomb right now. It's called Agenda 21. You want to look it up? Look it up. This is almost 30 years ago when this was implemented by different economic powers that met at an at a, at economic summit in, in Brazil. So it's something that's been happening ever since. And this is their vision for what they were hoping to achieve for sustainable living. And it's making things worse. Every single resource that I mentioned on this episode, per usual, is posted on the show notes accompanying this episode on my website, www.theandrosegobe.com. And I encourage you to please share this with everyone that you know. With family, friends, or people that uh, you run into that are curious about this issue, regardless of what side of the fence they're on, uh, I welcome any and everyone to have this conversation because we should be having a conversation about this thing. Why are we always going to be yelling at one another? It doesn't achieve anything. Let us talk about the true issues. Don't come at me with emotions because the facts don't care about your emotions. Let's talk about the real problem because when we talk about the real problem and deal with real solutions, we can make things happen and we will not be able to achieve that without a bipartisan approach to this. Bipartisan approach means a meeting of the minds in this case. So let's have a conversation about this. Let's find a solutions for it. And let's talk to our leaders to make sure they're going to make the right choices. Because if they continue to make this worse, we're all going to hurt even worse than now. And that's all I have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Young Justice Gover Show. Remember... You can find any and every single way to connect with me and communicate with me at my website. And if you're interested in the real estate side of things, you can always check out www.segoviares.com. That's segoviares.com for all things real estate. And you can check it out there. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you on the next one.